Good morning. We appreciate you and uh, coming and being a part of our worship today. And I figure that uh, you are probably uh, sitting on your couch or your easy chair and maybe eating a little breakfast. So uh, I thought I would just join you. So let's uh, come together. We'll worship from our couch or chair. I'm probably just going to stay in the chair for a little bit, but uh, if you've got some breakfast there or something, I've got a little bit of bread here as well. You may be in your pajamas. I decided I would not go that far, but uh, we are glad that you've come to be a part of worship. We're live here today, this morning, uh, on this Lord's Day, and uh, we appreciate you coming, taking part. We've got about, uh, oh, maybe a dozen that are joined us here. Our staff are here, as well as uh, some wonderful church members, so we appreciate them coming and being involved as well. So I want to identify with you and where you are and how you're worshiping. We know that it's a little bit different, but we are still, after many weeks of uh, in-home worship, we've had some in-person worship. We're back and forth. Next Sunday, we look forward to being in-person for all of you who feel comfortable and want to be a part 1030 worship service next Sunday. And of course, we'll continue to do online uh, for those who need to stay home or feel more comfortable, we understand. But do not put aside your time of worship uh, with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But not only did I want to identify with you and where you are today, but also want to maybe draw a little bit of attention to the fact that uh, of what the scripture we're looking at today. In fact, if you've got Bibles nearby, you might want to find Exodus chapter 16 if you have not already. And also we're going to be in John 6. And uh, John 6 kind of is a place where Jesus we really talked about and gave the message about the manna that fell in the wilderness in Exodus 16. So we're going to be going back and forth some. I'm going to try not to get you confused. Most of the scripture probably uh, will be on the screen. So if I say one way, one the wrong way, what's on the screen probably is right. And uh, But we want you to be able to keep up and be able to understand. So we're going to be making those comparisons, Exodus chapter 16 and John chapter 6. And it is the place, of course, where manna fell in the wilderness. So it's called many times the bread from heaven. And so bread we know significant in the Bible. We know that it is for the, those who came out of Exodus. We remember that they came out in haste and they had to have bread without yeast. And then the manna fell uh, from heaven. We know that Jesus called himself the bread of life. And that's one of the scriptures we're going to be looking at today. And even we remember, of course, that... Uh, Jesus at the Passover took the bread and said that this is my body, uh, which is broken for you. And so we know of its significance today. We're going to talk about some of that and hope that you will, uh, you will be ready. But uh, before we read our scripture, and I may move to the pulpit, but before we do that, let me, let me pray for you today. Let's bow together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've made, this Lord's Day. We thank you, Father, for those who are worshiping with us at Parkway. We thank you for these who are actually in the building today, those who are at home today. We're worshiping together but apart, and we continue to be the body of Christ wherever we are. We continue to represent you, represent your church here at Parkway. Father, we pray for all of our members. We pray that you'll be with each one. We pray for those who have been ill these past few days or weeks, Father. We pray certainly that they will recover, if not already. Uh, we pray, Father, that uh, you'll continue to keep our congregation relatively healthy and safe and watch over each one. We pray for those who have lost loved ones uh, over these past few weeks, Father, that you will bring them much comfort and watch care. We pray, Father, as we continue to move forward, that we will move forward according to the steps that you have laid out for us. 
Help us to pay attention, to look, and to see where you're working in the days to come. But we pray particularly for this hour. We thank you for opportunity to be able to lift up praise and worship songs as we have done today and lift up your holy name. And we pray now, Fathers, we're going to be reading your word. We uh, pray and know that it will not return void. Help us now, Father, even with perhaps distractions at home or even here in the sanctuary, Father, that we can at least have our minds focused on you, not just to the distractions that we can see, but the things that may concern us that are happening in our world today or with us personally. We pray, Father, know the answers are found in your word and through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to discover that even today. And now may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord God, my Redeemer and my Rock. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. So, if you're on the couch and you've got something to eat, maybe take you a quick bite, drink you a little bit, it'll be okay. Because I have, and now we're going to go to God's Word. We're going to begin in Exodus chapter 16, and we'll be reading verses 4 through 15, Exodus chapter 16. This now is the Word of God. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. There was a young lady that brought home her boyfriend from college for the first time to meet the family. And she introduced him, and as she did, she introduced him to her parents as her fiancé. Well, they were a little startled in fact, for the fact that they had even never even met him before, but somewhere during the day, the father took the young man aside and began to ask him some questions. He said, now, how are you going to be able to take care of my daughter in the manner in which she is accustomed? And he said, well, sir, I'm a Torah scholar. You know what a Torah scholar is? That's somebody that studies the Old Testament, particularly the first five books. And he said, I'm a Torah scholar, and I just believe if I study hard, God will provide. And his father said, well, said, I, how about a ring, you know, an engagement ring? I think my daughter deserves a ring. And he said, well, I just believe I'm just going to trust God for the finances for that. And he said, well, what about when you have kids? You know, you get married and you have kids. How are you going to take care of the kids? 
And he said, well, I just, I just trust God. God will provide. Well, later on, the mom and dad were together, and the mom asked the dad, so well, how'd your talk go uh, with the fiancé? And he said, well, he said, I've got good news and bad news. He said, the bad news is the boy obviously does not have a job. The good news is he must think that I'm God. This is where we do a laugh track here. I know you're laughing at home because of that. But what does it really mean to trust God for those things that are really important? We read Exodus chapter 16 to where the people were without food, but God was going to provide, at least for that moment. And it would be for us as well if we were starving, if we were really hungry, we'd be thinking that this is the most important thing at this time. We're going we're gonna to see how God will provide, not only how He's going to provide food so that the people focus not just on the gift that is given, but on the one who provides the gift because of the way in which He provided. Now, if you look at verse 1 of Exodus chapter 16, you know that we're going to be in for something good because there it says that God led the people from Elam, the place in Elam, led them to the wilderness of sin. Oh, you know we're going to be in for something important there. I'm sure there's been many a preacher who have said that you don't want to live a lifestyle of sin because it will lead you to a desert wilderness. And while it may be true that we don't want to leave a lifestyle of sin because we want to live in a wilderness of sin, that's not necessarily what this word means. In fact, this is just the place in which they were. It may be just short for the wilderness of Sinai. However, it does mark maybe a new transition for the Israelites. So far, the places in which we've mentioned, particularly in the last few weeks, as we talked about them crossing over the Red Sea, we talked about them being in the place of Marah to where the water was bitter and God turned it sweet. And then they came to the 12 oases in, uh, the, in Elam to where they encamped for a while. So far, all of those places are kind of south or west of the wilderness of Sinai or the wilderness of sin. So now God is leading them from those places there into the wilderness so that God may take them and they might be prepared for moving toward the promised land. Thus, we're going to follow the Israelites. We're going to follow them for the next few weeks as we go over and as they go through the wilderness of Sinai. Now, uh, we're in this series. We've called it the Escape Zone, and you may or may not have noticed, but in the first few weeks of this, it's been called the Escape Zone, What's Holding You Back? And we looked at the Israelites, and while they were slaves in Egypt, we don't want to be held back by slavery to sin or to this world. Well, now the we've changed just slightly. We're still in the Escape Zone, but now it's uh, kind of under the title or the summary of Moving Forward with Jesus. And this episode particularly, it clearly points to the one who is the provider and the nature who is Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. Now, in John chapter 6, if you want to flip over in your Bibles, don't lose Exodus 16, but in John chapter 6, crowds following Jesus at this time. In fact, they had just experienced what may be the most popular miracle of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000. The miracle, that miracle of Jesus, it is found in uh, every one of the Gospels. And after uh, the feeding of the 5,000, we know that Jesus and the disciples got in a boat, went to the other side. Actually, the disciples came. You remember Jesus walked on the water, and there was the great storm, and suddenly they were on the other side. 
Well, the people who had been fed in the feeding of the 5,000, remember that was men plus the women and children, all of those, they'd walked around and they came to the place of Capernaum where Jesus was because they wanted to find out if Jesus was going to provide food just like Moses had done in the wilderness. In fact, look at the conversation in John chapter 6, verse 31. It says this, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Of course, who is Jesus talking about? Somehow they must have missed it, how God, what God had done and even said because they said Moses provided. But Jesus quickly pointed out that the focus of the story is the Father, and it teaches what is more important even the, than food. For even the story in Exodus chapter 16 points to Jesus. How do we know that? Because Jesus tells it here in, in John 6. Now, Jesus is the original wonder bread of life, and this morning we'll talk about how God provides and celebrate Jesus today. We'll be, we're going to be very deliberate in our application on how the bread provided in the wilderness is a reflection in Christ. Now, I'm going to give you some things here, and if you've got notes there, you're given some there, but they'll also show up on the screen. But we're going to, be, we're going to do this in first person. In other words, I'm going to say it as if this is application for me, and as I do that, you want to make application for you as we talk about how the manna in the wilderness points to Jesus. Here's the first way. Jesus gives me what I do not deserve. Jesus gives me what I do not deserve. Now, we look at the Israelites and we wonder, how could they forget all that God had done for them? After all, He had brought them out of bondage in Egypt after 400 years. He had uh, saved them as they went through the Red Sea from the Egyptian army. He had already provided water there in the desert, yet they're in the desert and they're fearful that they will starve to death. And they complain against Moses and Aaron. It says, why have y'all brought us here? To It would have been better for us to have full stomachs in Egypt and to have died in Egypt than to come to starve here in the desert. But Moses says, now when they complained against him, or in Aaron, actually they were complaining against God. And four times in this chapter it's repeated, God had heard their complaint. And now while we might find it easy to point fingers and ask how they could forget, we often forget all that God has done for us. Particularly if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you know that we certainly have this world in which we live, although we know that it has fallen short. It's a fallen world, but God has created this world in which we live. He's given us life. In Christ, He's given us new life, promise of an afterlife, and He's going to be with us. But sometimes we forget those very things, and we fail to remember or to be thankful. In fact, while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. We were His enemies when Christ called, him, called us to Himself. We are amazed, though, in Exodus chapter 16 that they would complain again. Now, those of you who are familiar with the story, you know that it's just the beginning of complaints that are going to take place in the wilderness. It's been said that you can take Israelites out of Egypt, but you cannot take Egypt out of the Israelites. We were talking not too long ago about how easy it is to become a believer. Jesus has made it easy for us by our repentance of sin, by asking Christ to come in. We know that we can put our faith in Him, and by His grace, 
we know that we are saved. So it's easy to get saved from this world. It's not always easy to get the world out of the saved. Maybe if we say it like this, it's fairly simple to be able to come and be a part of the family of God. Acting like we're in the family and acting like we really believe, that's a much tougher thing for us to do. It's downright amazing how God responds to the Israelites. For in the midst of their complaining, God let them feast on quail at night and bread from heaven in the morning. Have you ever eaten quail? I've eaten quail, but probably only two or three times. I have been in restaurants to where they had quail on the menu, but I haven't ordered it often. Guess why not? The price is usually pretty steep. Or it's one of those places to where it says market price, or they have no, you know, just give you this clue. If you're looking at a menu and it doesn't have the price, it's probably not going to be very cheap. But it does say something about God's grace, doesn't it? It does give us something about how good God is because what Christ has done for us, grace is getting more than we deserve. Christ came to earth from heaven in the flesh not because we were such wonderful people and deserved His love. Quite the opposite. We were lost in sin. We were headed for destruction. We did not deserve God's love and grace. For the bread of God, excuse me, verse 33, we read just a moment ago in, excuse me, in John 6, verse 33, we read it a moment ago. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34 and 35 says, They said to her, said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Well, obviously they did not get yet that, they, that he was talking about himself. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This teaches us something else about getting more than we deserve. Better to be in the center of God's will and starving than to be out of God's will with every food available known to man. I know this is not the time of year that we usually talk about Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon, of course, is usually the name of our missions offering that comes at Christmas time. But Lottie Moon was a very short missionary, instrumental in increasing missionary interest, prayer, and mission support. It was nearly 150 years ago that the very first missions offering was taken up for international missions uh, by women in Virginia at her request. In her later lifetime, during a particular tough time, she was in China and she was teaching Chinese girls who did not have enough food to eat. She refused to eat so that those girls might be able to have something and might be able to have food. The Foreign Mission Board, discovering about her illness and her malnutrition, sent a nurse to escort her back to the States and the ship made it as far as Kobe, Japan. Miss Moon fell into a coma and she died on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1912. Better to starve in the center of God's will than to have plenty and to be out of God's will. Since that time, billions have been given to missions around the world. Countless number of people have been told about Jesus Christ. As the Israelites were given more than they deserve, so we, by the grace of God, are able to receive Christ that which we do not deserve. We also find, if we're looking at uh, how does the man in the wilderness point to Jesus, Jesus has come to me in humility. We make it first person, make it for you. Jesus has come to me in humility. 
The quail that fell to earth that night must have been a grand sight for there had to be tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of birds that fell to feed the one to two million, million Israelites. In fact, the psalmist talks about this very event when he said, He rained down meat on them like dust, flying birds like sea on the seashore. This, the quail. Now, this was a one-time event that happened that night. The manna would continue, but Jesus did not compare himself to the quail. The next morning, after stuffing themselves all night, after the morning dew left, the ground was covered white. And all the Israelites, they came out to see the ground that was covered, and they began to yell, Manhu, Manhu, which is Hebrew for, what is it? They were like children in L.A., otherwise known as Lower Alabama, who are seeing snow for the very first time. Excited, and they're yelling, what is it? In fact, this is where we get the name manna, which sounds like the word that means, what is it? Because they did not know what it was. Now, there have been many explanations about what it was that actually fell on the ground. We'll not get into all of those, but it's been everything from larva droppings to plant lice excretions. That doesn't sound very appetizing, does it? But here we find Moses called it the bread of heaven. The psalmist called it the bread of heaven. Paul calls it the bread of heaven. Jesus himself calls it the bread of heaven. In fact, the psalmist also calls it the food of angels. There's nothing like it naturally on earth. Exodus chapter 16, uh, chapter 16, verses 14 and 31. No, we're going back and forth. But it gives us a little bit of description. It's described in verse 14 of Exodus 16. It's described as a small, thin, frost-like, humble substance from heaven that sustained life. Well, Jesus was born in an obscure village of a poor carpenter's family in a stable. Such humble beginnings for the giver of life. It was white in verse 31 of chapter 16 in Exodus well, Jesus is the only one who is pure and without sin. He is holy God, come to take away the sins of the world. In fact, Isaiah says to us, Come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And in verse 31 also of Exodus chapter 16, it says, Its taste was sweet like wafers of honey. Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. This small, white, sweet wafer, unlike anything on this earth, would sustain them throughout their time in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 35 says this, The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable, habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Let me ask you this morning, do you believe it? I mean, to be able to feed two, one to two million people, there would have to be hundreds of acres of this thin, frost-like manna gathered around in order to feed that many people. Do you believe it? Every morning, six days a week for 40 years, every morning except the Sabbath. Do you really believe it? Someone, someone has estimated to feed this many people it would take four train loads with 60 cars each filled with manna each day, 365 days a year for 40 years. Do you still believe? God help me, I still believe it. 
And in much the same way, Jesus humbly came down from heaven. The humility is not just when, where he was born or how he was born, but it is what he left. For he left the throne room where all the universe was at his disposal. The heavenly bodies were held in place at his command. The sun and the stars shined at his good pleasure. The heavenly host reflected his glory and did his bidding. The one, this one humbled himself to come as a man so that we might have life. Do you believe? God help me, I believe. People yearn for something more which only the bread of heaven can provide, yet they do not believe. John 6, back to John 6, verses 36 and 37 says this, But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. People have a hard time believing that from such a humble being there is life. But notice what Jesus says in store for the believer. Verse 40 says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should, not have, should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. As the manna from heaven causes the Israelites to focus on God, the humility of Christ should cause you to give thanks and to live like you believe. This story, and I mean the story found in Exodus chapter 16 and certainly from Jesus' explanation about the story, it should cause us to celebrate Jesus. Here's another application how manna points to Jesus. Jesus is my portion. He's all I need. The Israelites were to gather enough food for them and their families for each day and no more. How much was enough? How much were they together? Exodus chapter 16, verse 16 tells us they were together an omer. Well, how much is an omer? Well, that's easy to be answered because it tells us in verse 36 of Exodus chapter 16, an omer is a tenth part of an ephah. So there you go. Now you know how much it is. Am I the only one that thinks that that's kind of amusing that here are two words? Now I'm sure the original readers of this knew, but if you've got a study Bible of any kind and one that has notes, it probably says about two quarts they were together. Gather only enough for the day. Kind of like a sign on the food bar that says, take all you need, eat all you take. Some, of course, did not. Some took more, afraid that... Uh, it might not be that the next day they gathered more than their portion. Well, let's look what happened. We're comparing again. Exodus chapter 16, verses 19 and 20 says, And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. In the King James Version, it says that the bread that was left over, the manna that was left over, it stanketh meaning it really was rank. Remember what Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Well, because of the way in which God did this, they could not help but depend on God each and every day. D does God answer your prayers? Well, the church answer, of course, is yes. But, but it isn't just that he answers, but it is in how he answers. Because if... If you wait on God, He will answer in such a way that you cannot help but depend on Him. When we try to do things our own way, well, it really stinketh. We know that we can put money in the bank. We know we can invest in the market. We know that we can put away for our child's education. We 
can plan for retirement. You can go to the grocery store and you can buy food for a month. But we know that it can all be gone in an instant. And in the truth, Jesus, only Jesus, is our portion. Does that mean we shouldn't do any of that stuff? No, we probably should do. But our focus and our trust is not in our bank account. It's in Jesus. He is our daily portion. But God did something else. God told the Israelites to get twice as much on the sixth day. Two omers, four quarts. Not gather any on the seventh. It would not be there. But guess what? Some did not do as God had said. They found themselves on the seventh day going out and looking once again to see if the food was there. What else happened? The food that they gathered on the sixth day did not go bad. Don't miss the four miracles that took place. Of course, they're just with the manna, the manna that came. Manna came and it lasted all day. The manna then came on the sixth day twice as much, and the manna that came on the sixth day, it lasted twice as long. Four miracles taking place. But consider what this did for the Israelites. Six days a week for 40 years, the people, they were not farmers or hunters, they were gatherers. They would gather every day so that their family would have enough to eat. But on day seven, they stopped doing what would come natural. In fact, Exodus chapter 16 and verse 30 says they rested. The hardest thing for many of us to do is to stop doing what we normally do and do nothing sometimes and wait on God. Now, some people may not be doing anything all the time, and they, perhaps they need to do something. But here the people were forced to give one day a week to God. Think about it. How many of you remember when most all stores and shops were closed on Sunday? It really wasn't all that long ago. But now there's not so much going on that you can't do whatever you want to do on Sunday any other day, that you would any other day of the week. So if we're going to be focusing on God, it must be intentional. Now we need to focus God on every day of the week, but I'm, I'm one of those who think that we need to focus particularly on Sunday so that we might have that refocus and our hearts and our lives might be refocused so that we might be able to be ready to focus on Him the rest of the week. And I believe the Lord's day is set aside particularly for us. And I know that He wishes to provide the rest which comes from completely depending on Him. He is to be trusted anew each day. Uh, Chuck Colson came out with an article entitled several years ago, Harry Potter is the Proof of the Existence of God. Isn't that an intriguing article? But he went on to say and talk about, you know, how kids were anxious to get their hands on new books when they came out and millions pre-ordered long before the debate. Hundreds of thousands of parents would allow children to dismiss their bedtime in order that they might be at the bookstore at 12.01 a.m. when the new book would be released. One of the last books smashed sales records, sent publishers back to the printing press for two million more copies in addition to the three eight that had already been distributed. According to George Gallup, in that time when those books were coming out, one-third of all parents with kids under the age of 18 have children who've read a Harry Potter novel. This is what Chuck Colson says. Amazing when those books were not that easy of a read, some over 700 pages. What's the fascination? Chuck Colson said, It's what C.S. Lewis called a longing for the mysterious and wonderful. The out-of-this-world stuff is not satisfied in the daily experience. For in truth, there's only one who can satisfy what the heart and life made in His image truly longs for. 
And when you walk with Jesus, he provides for all your needs. When you walk with Jesus, he provides for all your needs. Jesus Christ called himself the bread of life, and he is our portion for each day. So how else does the manna point to Jesus? How about this? Again, first person, Jesus is sufficient for me, for tomorrow, and for eternity. In John 6, Jesus repeats in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. God gave two reasons to Moses why he fed the Israelites like he did and gave the instructions that he did. It was so that they might know that the Lord, he is God, and it would serve as a test to see if they would follow God's plan and God's commandments. Did they follow God's commands? They did not. They took more than they were supposed to, and then on the sixth day, they went back out on the seventh day anyway to see if looking for more. In fact, Exodus 16, verse 28 says, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? They could not keep the law of God, just as we cannot keep the law of God. And so they needed something more. Jesus said the manna that they ate, was in, it was insufficient because they continued to be hungry and they still died in the wilderness. But what he would provide, you would never go hungry and you would never die. The law was insufficient because we cannot keep the law. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short. Here's where the manna, the bread from heaven, and Jesus, the bread of life, are not alike. For those who ate the manna would be hungry again, while Jesus satisfies a much greater hunger, a hunger for that which is even more important, a hunger for those things which are of God. Singer, songwriter, Charlie Daniels died this week at the age of 83. One reason I remember that is because Kelly and I had our first date. I asked her to go with me to a Charlie Daniels band concert in Tuscaloosa. As I recall, she fell asleep during the concert. Now that was nearly, that was 40 years ago, but still, it may be my all-time favorite country song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. I could sing to you every word right now, but I won't. But even I was surprised the first time that I saw Charlie Daniels on the stage at a Billy Graham crusade, and then even more recently with Franklin Graham. Although Daniels was brought up in a Christian home and asked Christ into his life as a child, he says that his life got off track. Thanks to a tug from the Holy Spirit, he said he gradually found his way back. And as a part of his testimony, he says this, "'No matter how much money or celebrity, none of that impresses God.'" The only thing that oppresses God is, I believe your son died for my sins. I believe that you forgive me of my sins. I believe that when I step over the line, your word says that you will forgive me if I confess. He says, I believe every word in the Bible is true. His is a testimony. There is that which cannot be satisfied by the ordinary, regardless of how much food or plenty or stuff is before you. I give tribute today because the Lord transforms lives like Charlie Daniels and lives like mine. 
and lives like yours. You know those large crowds following Jesus, the ones that were fed by the, at the feeding of the 5,000, they came looking for food. When Jesus told them that he was the bread of life, they refused to believe. In John chapter 6, 66 and following, it says that they turned and walked away. And there Jesus was left after the large crowd, just he and his 12 disciples. And Jesus turns to them and says, do you want to go away as well? And Peter answers in verse 68 of John 6. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Do you still believe? Two questions still remain. Have you partaken of the bread of life? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you're listening today, and if you don't know for sure that you have the bread of life, that you're walking with Jesus, that He's living in your heart, that you have a home in heaven, today you can call upon Him. Repent and believe and ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that He will come in and He will dwell with you. The second question is this. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior... How will you display the bread of life? God told Moses, said, you know that omer, those two, take, it, take it omer, two quarts of that manna. And he said, I want you to display it in a special place so that all will be able to see for generations how I fed you in the wilderness. And here's the fifth miracle about the manna. It always stayed fresh. Do you remember where they put the manna? They put the manna in a special place until the Ark of the Covenant was made. Ark of the Covenant hadn't been made by this point, but it, when it was made, they put into the Ark of the Covenant two quarts of manna, ten commandments, and the Aaron of Rod that budded. And they carried that around, and they knew that a special place. They knew that for generations, they knew what was in the Ark of the Covenant. What happened to the Ark of the Covenant? Well, lots of movies have been made. We don't really know. Here's my theory. My theory is that the Ark of the Covenant was destroyed not long after Jesus ascended to heaven, probably 70 A.D. at the fall of Jerusalem. And one reason it may have been destroyed because it wasn't needed anymore. Because we don't look to the manna that was in the Ark of the Covenant in order to see how God provides. You know why? Because God has you. Jesus is the bread of life. And you're to be the display now, how is it that you're going to display? Jesus said, this is how you'll know. He said two things. This is how the people know that you're my disciples. Two different occasions. On one occasion, he said, because of your love for one another. And another occasion, he said, because you follow my commandments. So here's what we're going to be doing. It'll be love for all and living for him. If you've made a decision today or you need to make a decision or talk to anybody about your faith, we'd like to hear about it. We have our connection card, and we have our church membership card. So if you're interested in joining the church, you can fill that card out. Find it on our website, but we'd love to hear from you. Certainly, you can use that. You can always get in touch with us through email. Give us a call. Come by. Our office is open. But we'd love to hear if the Lord's working in your life, and you need to make a decision, or if you're interested in joining the church, 
we'll have a talk with you, and if it's a public decision, we'll celebrate that next time you're in service, which we hope will be very soon. I'm going to turn it over to Brother Dick, who's going to close us out today.